This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lummer. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to welcome you and thank you for listening to the show, for leaving all the awesome reviews. I really appreciate it so much. And if you haven't yet taken the time to subscribe to the podcast, it would be awesome if you could just take a moment and hit that subscribe or favorite button wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, because the more you subscribe and the more reviews you leave for the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach podcast, the easier it is for other survivors who may need to hear this information to find it. And especially now when there's so many podcasts jumping on the scene, people are at home with a little more time and getting their thoughts and ideas out into the world. So subscribing to it really does help make it easier for other people to find. I just want to give a quick reminder here before we jump into the show that if you go to my website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com, and you've already been to the website under lauralummer.com, which you can get there both ways. But if you try lauralummer.com, you may get a warning that says not a secured site. And that's just because we switched those URLs around. And that's all techie and stuff. I apologize for that. But I have heard from a few people that they got nervous because the not secure warning came up and I totally understand that. But trust me, if you click past it, it'll go to my website and that warning won't come up for you anymore. So I just wanted to let you know that so that uh, you can check out the website. If you go straight to the breastcancerrecoverycoach.com, you won't have to deal with that at all. All right. So that being said, let's get into this show. I want to first share a little story with you to set the scene for why I picked the topic for today's show. Now, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I have a 10-week coaching program called Revivify. One of the modules in that program is called Renew. And in the Renew module, we focus on several things to restore the mind and body. And part of that module is focused on mindful eating. We practice shifting the relationship that we have with food from one of thinking about popular diets and measuring macros and calories to really noticing how our bodies react to food. And now I believe in practicing what I preach. And I go through this work with my members as they're going through it because I know there's always something more I can learn about myself and then I can share it with others. So this time, as we're digging in deep to mindfulness, I really started to pay attention to when and why I drink alcohol. Now, I grew up in a house where alcohol was rarely ever seen. I don't know if my parents just didn't like it or it would be nearly impossible to have a drink and take care of six crazy kids or if it was just too expensive for an eight-person family on a one-working parent income. But it just wasn't a thing in my life growing up. It wasn't in our house, my grandparents, my parents, any adult relatives. I can count on one hand the times I saw an adult in my life have a beer or a glass of wine while I was growing up. 
then as a young adult and as a young parent raising kids, it just wasn't my thing. It wasn't that I was against drinking again. There's no judgment. It wasn't like drinking was bad, but it was expensive. And I was super busy with little kids and with work and with late night house cleaning and working out in the living room after everybody went to bed. And I was more focused on fitness. So alcohol just was never a part of my lifestyle. But then I met my husband, my now husband, and when we started dating, which was just a couple of months before my breast cancer diagnosis, having a beer or having a cocktail in the evening was a part of his lifestyle. Now, he didn't have a drinking problem by any means. Let's be very clear about that. And I also want to say at this point that this show is not about judgments around alcohol. It's about mindfulness around alcohol. And it's not intended for anyone who might have an addiction or need professional help with drinking. It's just, I'm talking about this in reference to drinking socially as just a part of a social lifestyle. So getting back on track, when we started dating, he introduced me to a dirty martini, which I learned to really enjoy. And we would have a lot of fun exploring restaurants or places that served delicious craft cocktails. I even bought a mixology class for him one Christmas as a gift. And he had so much fun experimenting with making craft cocktails. So alcohol became a part of our lifestyle in terms of trying new places that made specialty drinks or sitting down in the evening together and he would try to make a special martini for me. We'd meet friends for a margarita. You you know what I'm saying here. I, I think one of my friends stated it very well when she said she drinks frequently, but she doesn't drink a lot. Now, when I was taking tamoxifen, there was no drinking. Any cocktail, any wine, it just was not an option because it made me feel so horrible to have any alcohol in my body when I was on tamoxifen. It literally knocked me on my butt instantly. And I don't like that feeling at all. So over the past couple months, I would have a drink and I would start thinking, so why am I having this? And I said to my husband, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and I love the taste of a sidecar. That's one of my favorite cocktails or a perfectly made cosmopolitan. But if every night when I was done working, you offered me a creme brulee or a banana pudding, I'd say no, which those are two of my favorite desserts. I would say no to them. I'd have them occasionally, but I certainly wouldn't have one every night. So why am I approaching alcohol differently? It doesn't support my health goals. It's empty calories and it increases my risk of breast cancer. In fact, I have to be very careful when I have a drink because depending on what I ate or if it's later in the evening, it will give me horrible heartburn all night long or I'll feel really tired when I get up in the morning and I hate feeling like that because I work out in the morning and I don't like to feel groggy. Yet I noticed that I continued to approach alcohol differently than I would look at food. And even though I really had to create a strategy around when I would have it, right? So it couldn't be every night because sometimes it was too late or whatever, whatever. So here I am thinking, well, I need to think about how I'm consuming this thing, but I'm not really considering how it's impacting my health. Interesting. So as I started paying attention to why I would choose to have a drink and how alcohol would make my body feel, a couple of things, I I began to realize a couple of things. 
One is I don't really think about it when I have a drink. If we're sitting down to dinner or we walk out onto the patio in the evening to just relax and sit by the fire and chat, my husband will say, can I make you a cocktail? And I'll say, sure, because it's become somewhat of a loving offering from him. And I've conditioned myself to just say yes. Or a friend will call and say, hey, do you want to go meet me for a drink? And I'll say, sure, because I always say sure right off the bat. And the funny thing is, I might go meet someone for a drink. And if we're offered food and I'm not hungry, I'll always turn it down. But again, I'm not really thinking about why I'm having alcohol, even though I'm very mindful about my food. Another realization that I had is that I just enjoy the experience of sitting and having a tasty beverage with a husband or a friend or the girls or my family. And it's not so much the alcohol effect as it is the cocktail or the wine, the taste of it. If it's not good, if it's a yucky cocktail or if it's a cheap wine, I am not interested. Not to be bougie or anything, but just because I don't like things that don't taste good. So I was working on being more mindful of this area of my life and I came across a wonderful coach named Rachel Hart. She was a guest coach in a mastermind group that I'm a part of and her entire business is coaching women to drink less. And I was fascinated by this because it got me thinking that we generally perceive three types of drinkers. We look at those people who don't drink at all, those who drink socially, and those that we consider alcoholics. But here was a woman with a podcast and a thriving coaching business who just worked with women who wanted to drink less or just take a break from drinking entirely. She even has a book published called Why I Can't Drink Like Everyone Else, a step-by-step guide to understanding why you drink and how to take a break. So this got me to thinking that this might be something I needed to talk about with you, my ladies. Not only because some of you may be wondering about the role of alcohol in your life after breast cancer, it's not at all uncommon to turn to alcohol during the time of transition between treatment and getting back to life. It's a very difficult space to navigate. And sometimes you just don't want to deal with it. And I also can't ignore all of the day drinking stories that I am hearing as a result of these shelter in place orders that we are under at the time of this recording. So I thought this might be a good time to approach this subject. So first, let's take a look at what science tells us about alcohol and breast cancer. The Mayo Clinic says alcohol intake should be limited to less than one drink a day because studies show that even small amounts of alcohol increase the risk of breast cancer. The National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism defines a drink as 12 ounces of regular beer. And I say regular beer because they're looking at alcohol content, right? So alcohol has a certain amount of calories per gram of alcohol. And a lot of the newer um, specialty craft beers and things like that have a much higher alcohol content. So when you hear one drink a day or less, what is a drink? So it's 12 ounces of regular beer, five ounces of wine, or one and a half ounces of distilled spirits. Now, have you ever measured your glass of wine? Because I have. And five ounces is not a very big glass of wine. 
Breastcancer.org says that women who have three alcoholic drinks in a week compared to women who don't drink at all have a 15% higher risk of breast cancer. And it's estimated that the risk increases by an additional 10% for each additional drink each day. Yikes, that can add up really fast, ladies. But before you shut off the show because you don't want to think about giving up your glass of wine, I have some more information for you. MD Anderson Cancer Center says that most of the studies that have been done associating breast cancer risk and alcohol consumption have been observational studies, which means they don't carry the strongest scientific weight. However, because so many observational studies have arrived at the same conclusion repeatedly, that does kind of make up for it and it gives more weight to what these results are. Therese Beavers, the medical director at MD Anderson Cancer Prevention Center, in an article on the MD Anderson website says, you need to be more concerned if the drinking becomes a routine in which you drink more than one drink each day. The author of that article that she was quoted as saying that in also points out that other studies have shown one glass of wine a day can be very beneficial for heart health. And that's backed up here by the Arthritis Foundation, where on their website where they talk about anti, the anti-inflammatory benefits of alcohol, and here's a quote. Enjoying a drink with some regularity might reduce your risk of developing rheumatoid arthritis, according to a few studies. Moderate alcohol consumption reduces biomarkers of inflammation, including C-reactive protein, interleukin-6, and TNF-alpha receptor 2. This was said by Dr. Karen Kostenbatter, who's a rheumatologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Continued quote, Alcohol's anti-inflammatory effects are also thought to be one of the reasons it appears to lower cardiovascular disease in moderate drinkers. The key word here is moderate, which most people overestimate when it comes to alcohol. Unquote. So this brings us full circle, right? We find ourselves back in the same place that we find ourselves with other lifestyle factors like food, sugar consumption, exercise or the lack of it, and good sleep hygiene. And that place is you have to stop and notice how alcohol is serving you or how it isn't. And there's no pun intended there. Breastcancer.org, Susan G. Komen, the Center for Disease Control, and many other credible sources all have alcohol consumption listed in the top five breast cancer risks that can be controlled by you. And that's right along with controlling your weight and exercising, both of which can be affected by alcohol consumption. Because if you drink at night, you'll have a more difficult time getting up in the morning to exercise. You'll consume extra calories because let's face it, some cocktails are very heavy on calories and they go down very easy. So those calories can add up quickly. A five ounce glass of wine, depending on the type of wine and its alcohol content, can have anywhere from roughly 100 to 150 calories, 200 plus calories in a margarita. And a 12 ounce beer has on the average 150 calories, but that's just for a regular beer. 
So in addition to that, we tend to make poor dietary decisions when we're drinking because I don't have to tell you, French fries, chocolate, chips, nuts, they all go better with alcohol than tofu and sugar snap peas do, right? You know what I'm saying? So you can see how easy it is for alcohol to add to weight gain as well. Now you may be thinking, are you seriously suggesting that I don't ever have a drink again? And the answer is no. I'm absolutely not suggesting that. Just like I would never suggest that you go forever without another dessert. This is life and you should enjoy it. I'm suggesting that you rethink your relationship with alcohol by approaching it in a mindful way, just to check. Check and see, how do you think of alcohol consumption? What does it mean to you? Do you drink out of boredom or to help yourself sleep? Do you drink because you feel social pressure in certain situations? Or do you use it as a tool to unwind or escape or to numb emotions? Is having a glass of wine or a drink in the evening just become a habit that you don't really think about, as I told you I wasn't thinking about it? Could it be what's standing between you and attaining a healthy body weight? Is your choice to sit down and have a drink, taking up the time that you could earmark for physical activity or meal prep? And if so, could you rethink your schedule? The bottom line is, you need to treat alcoholic beverages with the same mindfulness that you would treat anything else you put into your body. Just try to pause before each drink and check in with yourself. Just like when you're walking to the refrigerator and you ask yourself, am I really hungry? Or are you just going to eat just because you can? In that same way, check in with yourself when you reach for a drink and ask yourself, do you really want it and why? Is it moving you closer to the life you want to enjoy? Is it supporting your well-being? And I know some of you are laughing and saying, yeah, it supports my well-being. It keeps me sane. But honestly, if you're using alcohol to relax, could you practice a stress reduction technique that would be of much more benefit to your health? If it's a social thing, could you replace it with a non-alcoholic beverage? One of the things that I've discovered that I love now that I'm being more mindful is that I love uh, coconut LaCroix and key lime LaCroix. It's a sparkling, a brand of sparkling water, but it's delicious. And so there are tons of other recipes like mocktails. And if you really want an alcoholic beverage, you might think about having one drink and then using a mocktail or sparkling water rather than having two drinks. So think about how alcohol makes your body feel, aside from getting a buzz, which you can also ask yourself, do you really like that feeling? Notice if alcohol gives you heartburn, makes you feel groggier the morning after you've had a drink compared to when you haven't. The important thing in creating a healthy lifestyle is to make informed choices. I heard a saying just the other day that makes so much sense to me. Some, uh, a woman that I was speaking with said, you look outside yourself for inspiration, but you look inside yourself for answers. And I'm a big believer in the fact that you are the expert on you. It's not my work to tell women what's best for them. It's my work to guide women to look within themselves and discover what is best for your own unique life, for your own happiness. And then I offer support as you make your way through what is often 
difficult shifts in your life, but they're always worth it if you're paying attention and you're finding your own answers. So as some of us begin to emerge from long weeks of quarantine, and some of us are looking at a few more weeks of shelter in place, and we might be carrying around a few extra pounds, or we might find that we've gotten ourselves into the habit of consuming a few extra drinks. I hope you'll give some thought to everything you allow into your body. That includes food, alcohol, and your thoughts, because everything counts. But never forget, you are not in this alone, my friends. And if you feel like you do want more support when it comes to drinking less, I will post the link to Rachel Hart's website in the show notes for this episode, which you'll be able to find at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash 87. And if you want more community of understanding women who've been through or are going through breast cancer, come and find us in the, um, on Facebook under the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. And I'll also post a link to that in the show notes for this episode. The Breast Cancer Recovery Group is just a group of hundreds of women who are, have either been through breast cancer or are still going through breast cancer, can ask each other questions, and we support each other in finding a positive mindset to just keep moving forward and finding some joy in life, even though we're going through some tough times. All right. And if you are ready to take things to a really deep level and dig into some lifestyle transformation, go to my website, thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com and get on the wait list for Revivify. It's my 10-week online coaching program. It's going to be starting up again soon, and I'm going to have actually some important updates for you next week. So stay tuned to the podcast, subscribe so you never miss an episode, and you'll be hearing some great stuff. All right, so I hope that helps give you something to think about, and I'll talk with you again next week. And until then, be good to yourself. You've put your courage to the test Laid all your doubts to rest Your mind is clearer than before Your heart is full and wanting more Your future's at the door Give it all you got No hesitating You've been This is your moment